0: You're listening to the Queen of Calm Podcast. The podcast for calm girls by a calm girl. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Queen of Calm Podcast. I'm your host, Paisley Haddad. So before we jump into today's show, I just want to take a moment like I do in all my episodes to thank my listeners, my social media followers, and my guests for their likes, listens, and time for being on the show. Your continued support is what keeps the podcast going. Also, if you are not following us already on social media, Follow us at Queen of Com Podcast on Instagram and at Queen of Com on Twitter. There I post episode announcements, fun videos, graphics, and more, so you don't want to miss any of it. I'm also coming up on 500 followers on our Instagram page, so be sure to give us a follow and tell all your friends to follow so that once we hit the milestone, you'll be able to take part in the giveaway. So, as I mentioned in last week's episode, I'm going to be a speaker at this year's PR Decoded Conference presented by PR Week. So if you're not sure what that is or what the subject matter is for this year's conference, head back to last week's episode to hear the explanation. And if you're curious about the other speakers or the other panels on the agenda, head to prdecoded.com or click the link in our bio under PR Decoded Tickets. There you can read all about it and purchase your ticket for the panel, which is taking place on October 12th at 2.30 p.m. And the entire conference is taking place virtually from October 12th through 14th, 2021. So be sure to check that out. So for this year, this week's Calm One of the Week, I want to shout out Only Murders in the Building on Hulu because of their latest communications campaign that took place in New York City this past week. So if you haven't watched the show already, it's a show about three friends in an apartment building called the Arconia in New York City, and there just happens to be a murder in their building as they're listening to one of their favorite true, true crime podcasts. So after the murder unfolds and they kind of see a lot of clues, they decide to start their own um, murder podcast, or true crime podcast, I should say. And um as they're doing their investigation, they happen to notice somebody who was in the building that night of the murder who was the tie-dye guy. So Hulu and Only Murders in the Building took to New York City with a truck that says who is tie-dye guy and a bunch of actors dressed in the same tie-dye sweatshirt that is shown in the show. And they had them walk amongst people just walking randomly in the streets. A lot of um, you know, people were taking pictures because Fashion Week people are around. And it also sparked, sparked an organic social media campaign where people were posting celebrities who had worn similar Uh, hoodies that are in the same tie-dye as the tie-dye guy saying, I think this is person's tie-dye guy and kind of joking. um, You know, people guessing who from what character from the show could be the tie-dye guy. So it really uh, sparked a big social media presence for it, as well as people on TikTok spotting them in the streets doing this, um, you know, comm campaign. So hats off to the Hulu and Only Murders in the Building team. I think that was a really cool way to get people curious about the show. So My guest this week is someone who's really, really knowledgeable about everything PR, and she has a lot of great advice to share with not only college students, but also recent grads and seasoned PR professionals. So be sure to stay tuned for this week's episode as she shares some of her best tips, and she's going to talk about her social media pages for her business, which is one of my favorite pages to follow on Instagram, so you're not going to want to miss the interview, so stay tuned. My next guest is the founder of PR Couture, the industry-leading career platform for communication professionals. She is also the author of Ready to Launch, the PR Couture Guide to Breaking into Fashion PR. Please welcome Crosby Norx to the podcast. Welcome, Crosby. So glad to have you on the show today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So I want to start out like I start out most of my shows. And how did you get interested in PR originally?
1: Yeah, I didn't even know that PR was a thing until I hit graduate school. Um... I went back to get my master's in communication. And because there wasn't a PR undergrad program, I had to take some undergrad PR classes in order to be able to take the master's level grad level ones. And it was really in those classes that I sort of had one of those aha moments of, oh, this is a really good opportunity to mix together business strategy creative thinking, creative problem solving, and there was a sort of visual design element of it that I really liked. And I have always, you know, at that time, I've always been interested in fashion. I thought I was going to do something fashion related. I even did a study abroad at the London College of Fashion during undergrad, uh, but I didn't necessarily know exactly what that was going to look like moving to new york and trying to do the editor thing felt really intimidating. I am terrible with sewing, was not a very good illustrator. And so I kind of had one of those moments in that undergrad class where we had to work on a project for a nonprofit, a pro bono project, where I thought, "Oh, I wonder I wonder how it works. I wonder how PR works in the fashion industry. That must exist, right?" And that was really the beginning of Exploring that as a potential career. Uh, So I got a job while I was in school, working in house for a jewelry company, running their PR and marketing, and doing a little bit of copywriting and it all kind of grew from there.
0: That's that's such a cool story. And it's so funny how a lot of people say that they didn't know what PR was before they got into it. And how, you know, they a lot of people don't know that you can really translate PR into any industry. And I think that's one of the unique aspects of our industry is that you're able to really fuse your passion with your work.
1: Absolutely. And that there's no there's no end, right? You're never done. So for those of us that really enjoy learning, we're curious by nature, we like being put into situations where, you know, we need to figure things out. Public relations is, is is never going to be a situation where you ever feel like you're done, you've achieved everything, you've mastered it all. There's always a new industry, a new client, a new channel of communication to sort of figure out.
0: Yeah, there's the, everything's always so changing in the industry and, you know, there's always so many trends. I mean, now I'm seeing that like Instagram is starting that new thing with the links, with the swipe up and the reels and all the TikTok things. It's just so much to keep up with all the time.
1: Yeah, and you can bet that everybody inside of an agency is scrambling to put together their latest POV document or they're having to update their process, you know, their client approval process or whatever it is. We're all kind of certainly on the social side uh, and media relations, right? We're at, the, we're at the mercy of, you know, what somebody else does and then we have to, we have to modify
0: Definitely. So can you talk a bit about your career journey in PR and how that led you to PR Couture? Yes.
1: So there I was in grad school. I was working in-house for the jewelry company. I had discovered that fashion public relations was theoretically a thing, though I couldn't really find much about it online. This was, you know, in the days before every agency had a website, before every agency had an Instagram. So it was shrouded in a little bit of mystery. And I started, at, well, as I, as I was kind of experiencing PR as a practitioner in my job and then learning about it, you know, in the theoretical and in the kind of comm strategy side of things in, uh, in school, I decided to write a master's thesis where I would try to create a sort of theoretical framework for fashion public relations. I was really frustrated by how little there was available about this aspect of this vertical and how just consistently anything on the fashion lifestyle side just didn't seem to be taken with as, it wasn't as, it wasn't pursued with as much sort of like serious intent or curiosity as the traditional sort of big business, right? Automotive, healthcare, et cetera. But I was in my classes and I was in these undergraduate classes. And I could tell you that a majority, especially of the women in those classes and those classes were predominantly women, a a large percentage of them had no interest in going into corporate PR or automotive or any of that. They wanted to work with the brands that they loved. And that was a lot of lifestyle and fashion brands. And so all of that kind of coalesced. Um, at the end of graduate school, I had written this thesis and I had moved from working in-house to trying my hand at working agency. So I was brought on to help create the lifestyle department of a local agency. So for a couple of years, I sort of honed my chops agency side, working for a couple of different agencies. There was a stint there where I did a little bit of uh, just freelance work. And at the same time, I was always growing Pierre Couture. So in that time, Pierre Couture was really just a blog. Fashion blogging was becoming a big thing. And I thought, you know, instead of instead of photographing my outfits, let's talk to the people who are driving the communication and the messaging that are causing us to go, oh, I love this brand, but I don't love this brand or self-identifying as, you know, I'm this type of a person, but not this type of a person. I've always been really interested in how, uh, how clothing and just brand loyalty, like what that actually says about how we think about ourselves, self-perception. And so after a couple of years of working at different agencies, growing Pierre Gator as a strict blog, Uh, with that kind of behind the scenes practitioner focus. Eventually, I was hired to to, uh, create the social media department of a digital marketing agency. So I made the transition from kind of traditional PR over to digital, which was much more about, uh, you know, it was blogger outreach a little bit, but really about, you know, Twitter and Facebook in those days. And so I really enjoyed that position. It was very entrepreneurial in nature. I had to figure out how we were going to sell it, how we were going to package it, what were the deliverables that were included. And over the next five years, we helped a lot of brands create that initial social media footprint. We got them up on social. Then I hit the point where I had grown Pierre Couture. I had written a book, the one you mentioned, Ready to Launch. I was doing a lot of speaking, a lot of uh, you know, traveling to speak at, you know, colleges, at conferences, etc. And I just kind of hit that moment where I was like, I need to answer this question for myself. Can I, could I do Pierre Couture full-time? I was asking myself if I could do PR Couture full-time. And I made kind of a commitment with myself. And I said, okay, I'm going to give us one year. And if at the end of the year, you know, it's miserable and it's ramen for dinner again, uh, I'll go get a job, right? I have a social media skill set, it's in high demand, I can get a job. And so that was kind of the the promise or commitment I made for myself. And that was about nine years ago now. And over the last nine years, really it's been about growing and expanding Pierre Couture, doing uh, you know, different programs. We've we've pretty much done everything that you could possibly do if you were if you are primarily online-based kind of information, community-based business, you know, every possible thing that you could, digital, courses, conferences, workshops, in-person, virtual, you know, we've kind of done it all.
0: Yeah, and it's so interesting how you're on that journey of sort of the popularity of fashion PR because I think nowadays, you know, PR is one of the biggest parts of fashion and especially with what's been going on, you know, these past few years with the pandemic and everything, it's become really important for brands to make that connection with their audiences and be able to continue you know, what they do, even when they can't connect, you know, through their their styles directly. So I think that's really cool. And I really enjoy following your Instagram account for PR Couture. I love all your posts and you always share so many great tips. And so a lot of recent grads are now getting jobs. It's kind of that season. So what do you think is an important maybe skill or maybe even just like tools of the trade that you think that recent grads should take to their first position in PR?
1: One of the things that I always encourage is to first start by sort of mining everything that you have done to date and looking at where there where you can kind of connect the dots one of the challenges right when you're just getting started is like I don't have all the experience but I have to get a job so I can get the experience but maybe I didn't discover you know maybe I didn't major in PR or I discovered it a little bit late in my career and I feel or in my in you know when I was in school and so I feel like I'm starting behind And the truth of the matter is this is not an industry where you necessarily need to have some perfect degree or some perfect set of experiences. It's about what you, the individual, bring to the table and what you're able to understand about what a brand needs. And you being able to say, okay, if I I had full control over this brand, this account, the communication strategy, what are the things that I think this brand should be doing that they're not doing? And we can know that we, if if you're interested in this field, right, you have almost like this gut instinct. You understand how people engage online. You understand how to write persuasively and clearly. You understand how to tell a story. And you've probably been doing that your whole life, right? Like I was writing short stories in fifth grade and I was the editor-in-chief of my seventh grade magazine, right? We've been doing this in different ways your whole life. So step one is really looking at everything you've created to date, the, the projects that you've been on, the leadership opportunities that you've taken and figure out how to pitch first. What does that mean in terms of what you can bring to the table, your own perspective, your point of view? And then in terms of tactical skill set, certainly anything as we move increasingly into visual communication, knowing the basics of you know strong visual identity, understanding how brands are built, being able to speak into how you actually, especially with short form video, how do you effectively tell a story or leave an impression in in short short form video? Um, So those kind of technical design skills, I think are becoming increasingly important. Video editing can be a really great skill, but really at the end of the day, all of that is going to always be changing and evolving. So while it's important to have, you know, the ability to edit on InShot or whatever, It is also really important that you just understand what goes into the process of keeping a brand top of mind for its audiences. And there are so many different ways to do that. And your ability to kind of figure it out, right? You have the idea and then you can figure it out. There are so many YouTube videos and memberships and consultants and coaches. We live in such a time of just incredible information and knowledge share that you can figure it out, right? So have the idea and then like figure it out and then and then and then put the technical pieces into play.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought up that storytelling aspect because you know it is something we've been doing our whole lives and I think that's one of the greatest parts about PR is that you get to, you know, really have your audiences connect with these brands that you're working with. And I think the big theme of this past year was authenticity for brands. You know, people were more willing to see people in their real lives, real lives online. And that's why it's so appealing to work with these influencers who kind of bring us into their lives and why people want to see these people who are now famous on TikTok, maybe become famous because, you know, they look like the regular person that is becoming famous rather than just a celebrity. Um, So how do you think the, the um, industry in general has changed due to, you know, everything that's gone on in the past year? And how do you think we're going to be, you know, moving forward in the future?
1: It was a really interesting year, you know, for two reasons. One, I don't think there was ever a moment in our recent memory where the importance of a communications professional was more clear, right? Brands were stumbling and misstepping and putting out, Often tone deaf communication or they weren't responding quickly enough. It was really a time for anyone with a crisis background to shine. And I know a lot of my clients were feeling like, you know, they had everything pretty much well in hand. You just, you know, there was, it was a routine. And this, this was really an opportunity to step it up, to deal with some more complex communication challenges, and to really be that advisor for those companies and helping them figure out how to appropriately communicate in a time of such unrest. The other piece of it was, you know, we had some real challenges in terms of supply and distribution. So there were a of campaigns that were planned to launch and then there was no product because the product was stuck in China there was a breakdown in the supply chain somewhere so you know I there were campaigns and launches that were planned for that had to be postponed there's also just you know PR media coverage is a reflection of of our community and culture. And so when nobody is going outside anymore, when nobody's going to a fancy event, when there are no events, right, we were really changing the way that we were just living as human beings. And that had a direct impact on the type of stories that were getting picked up, what was relevant or reasonable to be pitching, travel. A lot of women who were laid off last year found themselves doing consulting work and going freelance and starting their own consultancies, perhaps years before they ever thought that they were going to. And so one of the things that we offer at Pierre Couture is a membership called the Coterie for Communication Consultants. And so it was a good year for us in that a lot of those women were finding that it was actually far more profitable and enjoyable to run their own freelance consultancy. And, I think now we're experiencing, you know, in terms of general trends, we're experiencing this, this concept, the great migration, which has been covered where as practitioners, we have realized that the traditional go, go, go breakneck speed, insane expectations, never being able to take a breath, right? We all got to take a collective breath. And so there are a lot of us who are looking at career and going, Oh, actually maintaining, you know, the freedom of remote is really important to me. I'm not ready to go back to, you know, sitting in that chair for eight, 10 hours a day. And we live in us in a time where it's far more possible and probable that you can often replace your salary with just a handful, one, two, three clients. And so that's, you know, that's another, thing that kind of changed was just having to get, again, creative around either keeping the clients that you have, or, you know, being let go because the budget was slashed and having to figure that out. And it's been, it's been fun to be able to work with those individuals in those early stages of really figuring out their own company and really moving into that entrepreneurial space.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I've been doing some research lately and kind of asking around to my, you know, colleagues who are my own age in Gen Z, because I'm going to be speaking on a panel about Gen Z and PR and that entrance into the, you know, career field. And, you know, it's been a common trend that a lot of people are looking for companies that they want to join. They're going to be looking out for their employees, you know, maybe not return to that normal that was the normal before the pandemic, because we learned so much this past year about our work habits and everything. And, It's just so important to, you know, maintain that mental health factor, everyone around. I think that makes a more conducive environment to create the best work and the best products out to your clients.
1: Absolutely. And PR has, you know, PR is known for having pretty crappy entry-level salaries across the board, particularly if you're working in boutique. And I think that's another place where companies and agencies are feeling a little bit strained because- Recent grads are not—they're not available for a twenty-eight thousand dollar a year entry-level salary, where they're expected to work sixty hours a week and, you know, do a whole devil wears Prada style, you know, toxic work environment thing. Like, it's just—it's not—it's not happening. There are far too many alternatives. Uh, you can build up right your own influencer empire. You can work remotely. You can consult. Like, there's there are a lot of. Opportunities out there right now, and so I think yeah, agencies are in, and companies are just having to really rethink how they hire and retain talent after what we all just went through, and and continue to go through with just you know a new crazy natural disaster or you know civil unrest happening all the time. We're in a we're in a we're in a moment right where things are not the way that they have been.
0: Yeah, definitely, and something something I've struggled with too that I think that it's it's valuable to bring up too, is that, you know, a lot of PR happens in, you know, these big cities that are hubs for all these, you know, great opportunities. And, you know, it's hard for recent grads who, you know, might be still, you know, hesitant because of the Delta variant and COVID, which is still a big concern, you know, to move to these big cities right away and get those opportunities. And I think, you know, having that remote aspect, as you mentioned before, is really important that companies should offer. And I think that's something that a lot of recent grads are looking for, because, you know, it's really, you know, current right now to be, you know, scared of what's out there and not being able to make that big move right away.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's scary enough to make a big move, you know, to move across the country or, you know, it's scary enough to do that without there also being a pandemic and, you know, all the rest of it. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Um, and you, so speaking of freelance what, and a lot of, so a lot of these recent grads are looking into freelance and in that, as you said, you know, a lot of women are making that, you know, resignation from their, their careers and agency PR to the freelance. So what is your advice of something that, that PR professionals should know before they get into freelance?
1: I think from, you know, from that more entry-level perspective, I think it really comes down to starting to think about your personal brand as early as possible. And for me, personal branding has always really just been kind of a code word for personal discovery. It's about the more you understand yourself, the more you can more effectively communicate that back out in the way that you want. I think there's huge opportunity Um, again, because PR professionals are often really busy, we tend to push our own visibility and reputation and all of that to the back burner. And so coming in and being really clear in your, uh, you know, personal website, on your social profiles, even if you don't have direct expertise, sharing information that you find, providing a little bit of perspective, starting to make it so that when somebody googles your name it's really clear what you specialize in what you're an expert in uh staying up to date there are so many you know podcasts available now in addition to trade uh publications that you can be reading so many places to get really interesting information and so curating that information but you know however you want to do it really just figuring out this question of what do I want to be known for in the space? And if I'm not there yet, how can I start playing in that pool? How can I start at least getting invited to the party or showing up to that conversation? So much potential, right? This is the power of brand is really helping people understand who you are, what you stand for, and what you're good at. And without a job, you can do that immediately. I do think you know, in a perfect world, there would be a really strong training, and you know, foundation it'd be a couple of years of of foundational training of learning the ins and outs of agency life of of being able to be you know really closely mentored by somebody and you know given the opportunity right that that usually feels better than getting thrown into the deep end. That said, with a little bit of ingenuity. And really understanding what's needed in the market and how you can position your skills. There is opportunity, even at entry level, to assist with, you know, administrative and coordinator level tasks. And that's probably where I, would, where I would start, is just making sure that my online presence was really locked in. I was being really specific about what I was curious about and interested in and any previous experience that I had that was relevant and then proactively seeking out opportunities and knowing that my then online presence and all of that is really going to support whatever i put out there
0: i'm glad that you mentioned mentorships because i know that a lot of you know college students begin these relationships as you know with mentors early on in the process and then as they graduate it's kind of hard to balance you know what to ask for for advice or you know how to lean on them for support so how do you think that the conversation should change with a mentor when you make that jump from college student to recent graduate?
1: That's such an interesting question. I think I think it comes down to creating some time for reflection and really thinking about what's gonna be most useful to you in this session, right? Is this something that you can first Google or take a first pass at and then come kind of around? Is this more of an interpersonal, you know, you're struggling with kind of office politics? Are you um, feeling a little bit intimidated speaking up in meetings, really thinking through where are the places that I'm really being challenged right now? What is the opportunity here? And is this the right person to help me through that? Is the mentor that I have, the right mentor for me moving forward? Or do I need to sort of shift that? Uh, When I do coaching calls or like mentee calls, my first question is, where's the best place for us to start? And that's for two reasons, right? It forces us to think, oh, what do I actually need right now? And sometimes that's, you know, you need a little bit of information on, you know, how a plan is done. And sometimes it's a mindset thing. Sometimes it's, a relationship thing. And in my, you know, a mentor should be able to support you. You know, the uh, the best mentor can support you no matter what you bring to the table. Um, and then the other piece of that is it really helps me know what's most important to you. So I'm not trying to assist in a place that doesn't feel really, you know, topical or timely in this moment. So if you're doing, you know, regular one-to-one meetings, or you have a quarterly touch base or whatever, um, you know, following a couple of consistent questions can really help guide the conversation. When I do coaching, um, I have a couple of different structures, but one of them is, it's basically a, a version of what's going well, what are you up against, where are you stuck, and what do you need? So, what's going well, what, you know, where are you winning, where are you stuck, And and how can I help? What do you need? And so if you leave those, maybe if you use those as guiding questions, those conversations can be really productive.
0: Yeah, I really like how you mentioned those those three questions you should be asking, because I have a mentor myself that I was able to, you know, meet through PRSSA in college, and now we still, you know, have our monthly check-ins. And, you know, I find myself now, as I'm still going through the job search process and everything, kind of being like, so what else do you want to talk about? So it's it's great to that you mentioned those questions to bring up to kind of refresh in that conversation.
1: Yeah, sometimes you're just like, I don't really know what to talk about. And so some guided recurring questions just help, you know, guide the conversation. And, uh, and then you don't have that pressure of, I don't know, I don't know, what do I, what do I need? You tell me, no, you tell me, you know. So um, I like having a couple of, you know, touch points and that, that structure works really well.
0: And so, speaking of college, a lot of my listeners are recent grads, but a lot of them are in college. So, are, is there anything that you think that college students should be doing now to prepare to enter the industry?
1: We have this concept at um, at PR Couture that is either get in the room or be the room. And really, what it means is, if you wanna if you wanna be immersed in this industry, if you are clear enough about your career trajectory, and you're like, this is it, PR is it then this is the time to start prioritizing where you show up and how you show up. This is when establishing that network, getting that mentorship, joining those communities is really critical. The more you can do to get projects, work on, you know, if you have a, when I was, just getting started, you know, I had a friend who was a stylist, so I threw together like a fact sheet for her. Um, Another friend was a model. I worked together on some, you know, positioning work for her. Friends who are in bands, like, you know, do a flyer for them or do some promotion. I did some pro bono work for a female artist organization. Where can you just start doing the work outside of the classroom? And then how can you maximize the relationships that you have with your, you know, department chair, your favorite teacher, your favorite professors, and making it clear that that, you know, that you're you're a special one. Like you're in this, you're committed, you're open to learn, you're curious, you want more, and really maximize the opportunity to leverage their expertise and perspective. That's gonna make you one of those students that's sort of top of mind. And I've taught, you know, university level and fashion public relations and personal branding. And there's always you know, there's always one or two where I'm like, that, that student is going, you know, like, she's got it figured out. Um, They come with really curious questions. uh, They're open to feedback. All of that is really such a, it's such a important time, uh, you know, to like have fun in college and also to be thinking about I have access to people in ways that I wouldn't before students give you as a student, you have kind of like this full designation, because you're not trying to get hired, you know, at the moment. Um, And so, yeah, I think those working on your online presence, building up your reach, getting familiar with, you know, LinkedIn, absorbing as much information as you can, and then actually getting in there and like doing doing as much work as you can so that you have a portfolio of work it doesn't have to be a press release it doesn't have to be um you know a full-on press kit but a couple of a couple of you know writing pieces examples of um maybe site design different things that you've done that just show that you understand how to present a person or a company to the world in a way that's really compelling.
0: I totally agree with you. And there's so many hidden ways on campus, like you said, to get involved in PR. And, you know, that kind of ties back into the kind of mixing that work with your passion. And, you know, like you said, if there's a band out there and you want to promote them, like work with that, you know, and there's so many opportunities. And this past year, I had the opportunity to be the firm director of Northward Communications, and that was our um, student-run integrated marketing communications firm on campus. So, um, me and my fellow firm director had a motto for our, you know, student teammates, and that was, you know, this experience is what you make it. You know, it can either just be a, a way for you to get experience in, you know, client relations, working on the press release. But if you want to do more, you can do more, and you know, shoot us ideas, do everything. Because I really think in college it's your time to really, you know, find your passion and you know, really hone in your skills. Like you said, and make a portfolio and get what you can to, you know, show to future employers and different opportunities.
1: Yeah, I definitely was not that clear in undergrad. And I think if I if I had known where I was heading, you know, um, I really would have leveraged the, you know, the internship opportunities that were there, my career center, all of that. And, you know, again, I was in an undergrad program that didn't have, it didn't have a communications program. I ended up majoring in media studies, which was the closest thing. And it was basically film. Uh, but I were, I went to a school that was, flexible enough that they let me design aspects of my curriculum that were aligned with what I was interested in. And I have often looked back on that or, you know, when I, when I talk to undergrads now that just are like so clear, like that it's PR, if you have that level of clarity, then you have a roadmap that you can follow to really maximize this time.
0: Definitely. Well, I have one final question for you, Crosby, and that is something that I asked to all my guests, but who is your favorite girl boss?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting one. We've made like a very conscious decision to like not use that terminology anymore. Um, But I know what you're asking. And I think, I don't know that I could pick like one person. I'm going to be cheesy and just say every single one of my clients who are agency owners, communication consultants are really my inspiration running your own business is no joke it requires resiliency and fortitude and self belief and self trust and growing and stretching all the time and that inspires me endlessly so women who women who say I'm not just going to do it the way that it's always been done, but I'm going to do it my way. And then I'm going to be that leader and that visionary for others. That's, I think, what has kept me consistently showing up inside Pierre Couture. And in particular, yeah, the women that I'm lucky enough to work with who are all agency owners or, or consultants. And even, you know, even the students who come through our entry-level programs. I'm just, I'm inspired by anybody who, who was brave enough to say, this is what I want. I'm going to, I'm going to do the uncomfortable work of chipping away at my dream and making it happen on my terms.
0: Definitely. I, I totally agree with that. You know, it's just so admirable of these, you know, women who are able to, you know, take that leap into that big role. And, you know, especially during this past year, it's been so hard to be the the you know owner of your own business. And so it's really, you know great to see these role models for young girls to follow and to, you know, aspire to be one day?
1: Yeah, so many of them are, you know, they come out of their experience going, I know what I don't want to create, right? I've had enough experiences, professional experiences. I want to create something different. And they want to create it for themselves, but they also want to create it for their employees and their teams and everybody that they work, they work with. And that that is shifting the industry. It is It is shifting it away from that kind of you know, everything's behind that curtain that I talked about in the beginning. There's no access. You have to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody to even get a phone number to we're, we're here, we're available, we're, you know, we care about culture, we care about the individuals on our team. We want to make this a really, you know, a really great opportunity. We want to really enjoy one another and enjoy our work. And um, and that's an, an incredible, valuable and important uh, part of continuing to evolve an industry and to continue to make it better.
0: I definitely agree with that. And one of the 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 um you know one of the main points of starting this podcast was because I wanted to break that stereotype that you know women in PR are so busy and they don't have time for other people to lend a helping hand. And like you said, you have to know somebody to know somebody to get that you know advice from people. So I just really have enjoyed talking to so many great women like yourself, um you know about their experiences and communications. And I think it's really valuable for you know, young women who are just getting started in the industry to hear from, you know, women who have been so successful and to chat about their experiences.
1: Yeah. And probably in, you know, 15 years, you'll be on whatever the, whatever the pot, right. <laughs> if
0: Erika Tour was the blog version,
1: uh, you know, your podcast is the pod, is the podcast, you know, they're always going to be, um, you know, that sort of entry, you know, entry-level consideration. And it'll be especially fun, I bet, when you get to that stage and then you're, asked to kind of come back. I don't know what it'll be. It'll be like <laughs> virtual A heads in space or something. <laughs> yeah. Hologram conferences or something like that. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's wonderful. And I think if I just could leave everybody with one, I don't know, one kind of like call to action, it would just be like, if there's something out there that you wish existed and nobody's doing it, don't assume that it's going to start happening, like that's your invitation. So if something in our space doesn't exist yet, create it. If it's a podcast, if it's a blog, if it's a TikTok channel, if it's a magazine, like whatever it is, if you have the idea, then it was put in your brain as an opportunity for you to fulfill on it. And there are others out there who want what you want and will be grateful to you for creating it
0: definitely will thank you so much Crosby for your time and for coming on the show I've enjoyed so much hearing about your advice and I'm sure my listeners will too thank you so much thanks for listening did you enjoy this episode head to apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review want to drop us a line click the link in our instagram bio to leave us a voicemail and who knows it might even end up on the show see you next week for more tips and tricks of the trade